This episode of Truce Table is brought to you by Truce Table. By Truce Table. Black women's musings on life, love, and liberations everywhere where books are sold. Online, in the stores, at your mama pop bookstore. Go buy our book. Everywhere. Period. And InterVarsity Press, whose vision is to catalyze redemption, restoration, and revival in our divided and broken world. Follow IVP on Twitter at Ivy Press and visit IVP's website at www.ivpress.com. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table. And it is me at the table. Mm. Um, but I am so uh, excited about this show. Uh, in light of what we have been going, what has been going on, um, well, honestly, for many, many years, uh, but in 2022, it seems that we have been experiencing and seeing and witnessing uh, mass shootings back to back to back. And so you all know here at Truth's Table, the importance of us keeping our finger on the pulse of the culture, uh, politics, um, and of course, religion as well. And so we wanted to to do an episode that actually um, highlights um, the, the impact of uh, the recalcitrance, the hardness of the policies and the politicians um, in our country. So we thought it was very, very important for us to bring this issue to the table. And we thought it would be best to also bring in somebody who has been directly impacted by the wages of gun violence um, in this country. And so I am honored to introduce to you all, our sisters at the table, Nelba Marquez Green, Welcome to the table. Nelba, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for inviting me. And I think the first thing I want to say is I know this space is dedicated <clears throat> for Black women, run by Black women. And I recognize that there is no proximity to Black culture or Black people that qualifies my qualifies me to be here. Actually, it, it doesn't mm-hmm. qualify me to be here. I am not qualified to be here. However, I accepted the invitation after a number of years of following Christina, and yes. um, just kind of resonating with a lot of what she writes and learning so much and recognizing that mm-hmm. I needed to trust the invitation, despite okay. not being qualified. I believe God will qualify the call. So first I want to say, I recognize I'm a guest and, um, I just want to be, I'm an expert in this content, but this is a table for black women by black women. And I am a guest here today. I do not take that lightly. Well, you know, thank you so much for saying that, um, Nelba, you know, it was, um, uh, yes, exactly. You are you are the first non-black woman at our table, and I. It was important for us, though. We were like we we were like no no no. We have to bring in somebody um, who has sadly hard rot experience, hard rot um, expertise um, on this subject, and you were the best person, you know, for this. And so, and and we know um, and have followed your work. 
uh, for years, your advocacy. Um, and we know um, even just about your own um, faith convictions. And so we thought, you know, this is this is actually the perfect person <laughs> to come to the table uh, to talk about this. So we're, we're so honored that you um, answered our invitation. And uh, we know that you speak all over the country on huge platforms. So we're honored that you uh, decided to stop by <laughs> at the table. Thank you for that. And, you know, just in case our listeners do not know who you are formally, I'd love to introduce them to you by reading your bio and le- telling them a little something about you, if you don't mind. So <laughs> why don't I go ahead and do that? Nelba holds a Bachelor of Music from the Hart School and a Master of Arts in Marriage and Family Therapy from St. Joseph College. Nelba taught and supervised at the Family Therapy Program at the University of Winnipeg's Aurora Family Therapy Center and later worked as a coordinator for Klinberg's Family Therapy Center's Outpatient Child and Adolescent Psychiatric Clinic. She also served as an adjunct faculty at Central Connecticut State University. Nelba founded the CTAMFT, Connecticut Association for Family Family and Marriage Therapy Diversity Committee, and served on the CTAMFT Board of Directors. For her advocacy, she received the 2004 Minority Fellowship Award by the AAMFT, the 2004 Distinguished Professional Service Award, and the 2013 Service to Families Award by the CTAMFT. In 2018, she was profiled as one of 100 women of color and a YWCA CT Women's Leadership Award recipient. She was featured in People Magazine's October 2019 issue as one of 10 women changing the world and also recognized by Chelsea Clinton and Hillary Clinton in their book of Gutsy Women. Nelba has testified and advocated at the state and federal levels on many different mental health initiatives, hosted TEDx talks, and is a nationally sought-after speaker. In the many years that have followed, stints in advocacy, public policy, community care, etc., have affirmed her core belief that in order to change the world, we must take care of people. First, that grief, trauma, and loss must be allowed in the room. Second, that tools, language, skills, resources, and acceptance should be available to live a full grieving life. Welcome to the table, Nelba. Uh, You know, here at Truth Table, it's important for us to tell people (laughs) exactly what you've done, all that you've accomplished, um, because uh, that qualifies you (laughs) to be able to speak uh, to the subject that we are um, that we have on the table, which is uh, just this—I I don't even—this epidemic, if you will, of mass shootings that has been occurring. You know, in light of what happened at um, in Buffalo, um, with at the Topps grocery store, you know, where ten black people were killed for being black, um, and then Uvalde—that uh, heinous, heinous mass shooting, uh, where 19, 19 mostly children died two 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 teachers 17 little precious children died um you know nelba i would love for you um to talk to our sisters at the table and the people in our standing room section just about um how you came to the public you you came to the public eye because of an unimaginable painful tragedy um, how would you like our audience to know who you are in your own words? I would like your audience to remember me as the mother who didn't die 
after her daughter was killed. I would like your audience to remember me as the mother who did not grow up in a community like Sandy Hook, who Mm -hmm. has a surviving child who is 17 years old, who looks like Trayvon Martin, who Mm -hmm. I would like to keep alive. I would like to your, for your audience to remember me as the mother who lost a child in Sandy Hook, but also recognizes that mothers lose their children. I've been working in this space, specifically Black and Latino and Indigenous mothers in the space of gun violence and have never received the resources required to do the work well. We are in a world that forces Black moms, Latina moms, Indigenous moms, white moms from rural areas to carry dossiers uh, for their children or for their partners um, to qualify their lives for us to care about them while we are grieving mass shooting to mass shooting. It also Mm -hmm. should not go without saying that today is June 17th, the seventh anniversary of the Mother Emanuel shooting. So I woke up this morning actually feeling like I had a lead apron on and I was like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? Let me go to Google real quick. Oh, it's the anniversary of Mother Emanuel. It's in my body. Our trauma is in our body. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm so, um, thank you for lifting up that because, uh, it's too easy to forget, you know, because of the preponderance of mass shootings and gun violence in this country, it is all too easy. We have short memories in this country, particularly when you have not been touched, right? Um, by gun violence, we can forget that, you know, today is the day and it was seven years ago. Um, and so thank you for, um, lifting that up and, and helping to orient our audience and introduce yourself um, to our audience. Um, um, so the mother that did not die, that just, you know, stays um, with me. You know, on that vein, I, w- I would love to hear um, how it is that you did not die. How is it that you were, you, st- you, you stay alive? You know, what are some ways that we can, uh, yeah. How do you stay alive actually? You know, in like, cause, because I would imagine that there are some parents that, that just, that die, you know, from the grief, from that, from the broken heart, um, from this, it's a robbery. It's a robbery. Um, that, that, that I imagine that, that you feel, um, can you talk to us about how it is that you're a mother that did not die? I think that's so profound. You know, I have to be a hundred percent transparent. I have nursed from the breast of black theology in the church, um, <laughs> well before, uh, Anna, you know, was killed and well yeah. after, and it is in that robust gutsy, freedom-based faith that pushes and comforts and walks and journeys with us in the moments of great um, fear and loss, right? Because I do feel betrayed. I do feel betrayed by white evangelical church and white evangelical Mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. You say, you said earlier that it's because a lot of, a lot that many people haven't been touched. And I just want to push back on that. Mm, I okay. haven't met people who actually haven't been touched by gun violence. Mm. What I have met is denial, right? Okay. So you might have someone in your family who 
died from a gun violence incident, but it was maybe easy to put away, oh, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Or, oh, you know, that's because they married the wrong person. Oh, that's because they were dealing drugs or that's because. So I actually, when I start talking to people and kind of peeling off the layers, they have denied or justified why Mm -hmm. somebody they love have been touched. And they only then remember Sandy Hook. Right. Ovalde. Because kids in school is hard to justify. But what I want, and I want to challenge all of us to do, is grieve when everybody hurts, when everybody's lost. Because this process of survival is for Trayvon's mom as much as it is for me, as much as it is for all my friends who lose children or family in communities we don't care about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's good because you're right. We have um, all been touched by gun violence from one degree to another. You're absolutely right, and there are there is a sense in which you know um, some some of those you know some of those sh- those shootings are like like you said, justified, right? Or we try to find a justification, like, oh, that's why. And that's probably why we shouldn't care, you know? But when it becomes, you know, something like a school shooting and you're, you're right, that, that's the one that people might elevate, but you're right, we should care every time we hear that somebody has been killed um, by a gun, and when, when they, especially when they should still be here, you know? Um, you know, when, uh, when I think about the gun control conversations um, that peak up, after a tragedy, uh, and then they just seem to go away. They seem to fade away. What are some ways uh, that we can keep this topic before the public as Christians? You know, you talked about the need to be able to grieve and and to um, and to also just grieving with one another, walking with one another. How can we keep this topic, um, you know, in the public sphere and keep that fire going, if you will, um, and not succumb? you know, to the malaise, you know, when it, when, you know, when it wants to, you know, lull us back to sleep, if you will. I have a couple things that come top of mind. Obviously this is something I think about a lot, but I won't, you know, remember everything. And as soon as we're done, I'll say, Oh, I should have said one more thing. (laughs) Number one is increase our capacity for comforting, grieving people. We need to do more and be more, and we need to stop inviting people to church if we're not going to be the church. Right. And Mm. we, because we are so infested with prosperity gospel. Yes. When people are grieving, we automatically become the friends of Job. If we don't do an intervention in our own hearts before we try to come for somebody, we will come off like the friends of Job. We will be looking for hidden sin. We will be saying all kinds of crazy things because we do not follow a gospel that reminds us that Jesus wept and that sometimes terrible things happen to people who have done absolutely nothing to merit it. Instead, we convince ourselves and other people that if that thing happens, it's because of something, right? So number one, increasing our capacity to comfort the grieving, acknowledging the tie between white nationalism, um, white supremacy, and um, gun culture, and that 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 culture lives in our churches, right? That part of the reason we have this cycle that does nothing is because we don't want to tell the truth. And the truth is that we would rather ask me, to show an autopsy photo, then ask, you know, 
Mitch McConnell, do you realize how white supremacy plays a role in this, right? We are lying to ourselves, lying to each other. So also remember me as the woman who's been trying to tell the truth since day one, but people said, no, that's not not palatable. You can't Mm -hmm. say that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have you on that TV show if you're talking about white supremacy. No, 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 no. Say love wins. We like that. So I'm (laughs) angry at myself, honestly. And I, it's just... In February of 2021, when I started working with a new therapist, a Christian therapist, Hmm. a black woman, um, somebody who specializes in um, somatic liberation, that I started to find my voice again. And um, do not call her and ask her for therapy because she's not taking any more clients, but I do want to shout her out. And her name is Dr. Anita Phillips. You can follow her on Instagram. I also want to say thank you to... Resma Menachem, um, my grandmother's mm. hands, and yeah. just so many other incredible brain geniuses that are helping teach us in this work of getting ourselves free. That's so, right. um, okay, I talked about acknowledging white supremacy, increasing right. capacity for grief, um, telling the truth more often and without fear, but all of these are internal processes, right? We, we yeah. talk about policy Different. because talking about people is harder. We, we get mm-hmm. stuck up here because we don't want to tell the truth. And the truth is that I'm just going to say it. Black women have been working in this space forever and telling us this, and we have not listened. We have not acknowledged. So now we want to pretend that we're confused. We're not confused. We just don't want to do the work. We just don't want to hold people accountable. We are not confused. Yeah. 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 And there's a lot of, a lot of money to be made in ignorance, right? In willful ignorance. And so we want There's a lot of money to be made in guns. There's a lot of money to be made in willful ignorance. Let me tell the truth. There's a lot of money to be made in not um, not resourcing me. And there's a lot of money to be mm. made off people who are grieving, right? right? There's a lot. You Do you know how many millions of dollars I have made people? My daughter's image have made people. Well, I'm sitting here trying wow. to figure out how I'm going to send my son to school next year. This wow. is about profit <laughs> over people. And we need to stop making it complicated because it's not. And the yeah. church is complicit. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know that um, you bring up a, a piece about um, the ways that people have capitalized, um, if you will, on your own, on your tragedy, on your grief, on your precious um, baby girl. Uh, and just the, 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 the impulse in this country, the capitalistic impulse to co-opt somebody's narrative, somebody's story to make not just a dime, but to make millions, as you say. And so I, I'm wondering in the you know what, actually, let me. Let me just pause for a commercial break because I could I could go and keep going, but let me let me pause for a commercial break because you have said a lot, and I actually think we need to sit in that for a minute. I really do want our audience to sit with the fact, you know, that you said that people have made millions off of your yours your tragedy, your story, your daughter's image. Sit with just the cruelty, the wickedness, you know, of that, and now you're trying to figure out how you're going to send your son to college. I think people need to sit with that. And as you're sitting with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation is a classic in the making. According to Tracy Michelle Lewis-Jiggett, author of Black Joy, 
Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. New York Times bestselling author, Dr. Jamar Tisby, says that people often say, listen to Black women. Now at Truth's Table, you have your chance. We don't deserve the gift of this book, but once again, Black women have generously served us all. If we are to actually alleviate the immense burdens our sisters bear, then we must heed their words. T. Morgan Dixon, co-founder of Girl Trek, says this, There is a textured knowing in this book, a spiritual enlightenment, made brighter by the author's own personal breakthroughs. The way they describe the fabric of our collective trauma makes me trust their solutions. And Dr. Joy Hardin-Bradford, founder of Therapy for Black Girls, says that Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, shines a light on some of our most vulnerable places as Black women, leaving no stone unturned. Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is a clarion call to consider our communal truths by opening ourselves up to a deeper inner truth. By Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, wherever books are sold. Gospel of Peace in a Violent World, edited by Sean Graves and Marlena Graves. Blessed are the peacemakers. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of peace, peace between God and humanity, peace among humans. And yet, it can be difficult to see the peace in our broken, violent world. In this volume, Sean Graves and Marlena Graves have gathered contributions from theologians, pastors, and practitioners on the importance and implementation of Christian nonviolence in today's world. The vision they cast not only responds to the realities of war and conflict, but also offers a broader, deeper understanding of peace that addresses topics such as race, gender, disability, immigration, the environment, food scarcity, and more. Shalom, that is evidence of God's presence. May it be so. Truth Table listeners can save 30% off of the gospel of peace in a violent world when they order at ivpress.com using promo code TRUTH22. That's promo code TRUTH22 at ivpress.com to save 30% off of the gospel of peace in a violent world. And we are back here at the table with Nelba Marquez Green. I have just been, um, thank you so much for your your wisdom, your expertise um, for correction. Thank you. Um, And just for the nuance with which that you're speaking and the truth that you're bringing here uh, to the table, Nelba. You know, you've you've talked about the ways that, you know, you, grief has been compounded, you know, by, um, by what people say, by what people don't say or don't do um, by some, some, the ways that people have co-opted um, your story. And, and I'm wondering, um, from your perspective, as one who is a believer, what would you say, uh, or what has grief and injustice taught you about Jesus? Uh, I know it's a, it's a big question. <laughs> it's a big that question. Is, that is so beautiful, the question you asked and just that you would ask it. Mm. Um, there was nothing about his life or his ministry that was fair. He was literally alive and lived to free us and yet found himself on a cross having people scream, free somebody else, not him. That's right. Right? So that there was injustice is not, or there is injustice is not unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. it, It is incredibly brutal. But that example of living 
a life of fearless truth telling yes. for the freedom of liberation of other people That's and right. yet and still right. being nailed to a cross and and choosing that sacrifice has been model right it, initially so we came to faith to Jesus um, probably 1999, right? Okay. When there was a Christian bookstore on every corner, when Joyce Meyer, <laughs> when, you know, Stormy O'Martian, the power <laughs> of a praying wife, right? And I'm trying, I am, picture me 24 years old, trying to be a really great wife, <laughs> like trying to think like, how am I going to have sex when I'm not really in the mood? Because I owe <laughs> this man, like, how am I going to cook and like work and do these things? Because that is what we were taught in, in the yeah. ministry. I, we attended a church. It was a beautiful church, but in that season, right, was not a church that would even allow women who were serving in ministry to wear pants. It was okay, yeah. mm-hmm. incredibly, you know, conservative and women had a role and men had a role yeah. and those roles were incredibly rigid. So our journey, our arc in, in, in starting there and actually what helped was moving to Canada. We uh, became a part <laughs> to uh, a church in Winnipeg, Manitoba, White Ridge Baptist mm-hmm. Church, part of a North American Baptist um, association, which, which didn't even matter to me as much as when we went there, we felt something different. And what we felt was Amazing. different was a Jesus not tied to white ring, uh, white ring, uh, uh, right? Sorry, I'm going to, my confusing my words, white um Christian politics, right? right it wasn't right, right. tied. It was a Jesus of liberation. It was a Jesus of joy. As a matter yeah, yeah. of fact, Jesus it, it wasn't wow. Jesus of the Bible, Novel right? There was <laughs> it was it was this expression, right? Yahweh is my teacher. I am mm. a follower of Christ, Definitely. not a follower of like mm. the Falwells or like it wasn't like that. So mm. we went and we discovered and we had this this pastor. And he wasn't looking to be served. He was actually at the barbecues, like cooking on the grill with his glass of wine. And we were like, oh, we can serve God like this. So when we came back, we were looking for something different. We were looking for a place to be where we could wear jeans and didn't have to prove anything. And in our politics and our faith were not tied in the way that we were initially taught. And four months later... Our daughter was killed. It became those people in Winnipeg and our original church family and my aunt, who's a who's who's a pastor in Puerto Rico, mm. who knitted together their strengths to to really be there for us. And they That's did right. things that were that were unique, right? Mm-hmm. They put a calendar together for a year that was delivered to us that let us know every day who was praying for our family, right? Mm -hmm. They were the hands and feet of Jesus, not just, you know, thoughts and prayers. It was action, right? It was action and and the showing up. I want, I would like to tell you something. One of the most sacrificial moments for me as a mother was in those three days after you know, Anna is killed. President Obama had has come, mm-hmm. and I'm at home with a child, right? Who is mm-hmm. all of a sudden a single sibling, right? All of a sudden, wow. and he looks at me and he says, "Mom, I want my friends." Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, "What? 
Mm-hmm. You know, goes, I want my friends. And he names five boys from Winnipeg. Now we have just moved oh, to Sandy wow. Hook. We have spent our life savings uh, wow. coming back to move to the U.S. Our daughter is killed. We don't know how we're going to bury her. And my son is asking for five friends from Canada. So our worship leader, a white woman yeah. named Karen Schrader, called that night after President Obama, and I was sobbing. Mm. I was sobbing. Mm. And she says, Nelva, tell me what you need Mm. your church family to do for you. And I just wept and I said, well, I don't don't even know what to say, but Isaiah said he wants his friends. And he said, who? Who did he name? And she just listened to me. Those families were there in three days. And my son spent the week that we were burying his sister in a hotel with security, with those boys and their mothers. They walked into the fire. They walked, you know what? You can tell me about your faith, but those women showed me their faith by walking into a fire for my son. And I remember we would go visit him every night, but it, it allowed us having them here and having them, my son, play, right? He was in the pool. He was in a hotel. That whole week, life was chaos, and we had police. We had, it, it was just chaotic, yes. right? Yes. And we, every night, we would go see him. We would give him a hug. We would pick him up. He would sleep, and then we would drop him off in the morning in the hotel. And on that last day, I looked at my son, mm. and he was about as white as this piece of paper. Mm. And I looked at those mothers and says, you showed up, you took care of him, but the only thing you forgot was the lotion. I have taught you about this. You can't even moisturize, and that's the only way you failed. I still love you, but you forgot about the moisturizer. You have my baby ashy, okay? Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, when I reflect oh on how God. we can be better for people, right? Yeah. It is that. And when we can't be physically present, How do we give and support in a more reflexive, hurting-focused process that isn't Mm. just about, um, it's not just about the people. A lot of times we fail people who are hurting Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we make the support about us. We want to help, but we want to take a picture and put it on Instagram. We want to be support, but we want to support Uvalde, not the person well, in my town, because yeah. they're not they're not the preferred griever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how yeah. do we become more reflective about those things? And it starts by looking in the mirror. And I'm sorry, I'm talking no, too no, much, no. but you go no, ahead no, and no, ask no, me your no, next question. No, no, no. Um, you you just said, I mean, my goodness, I just I think about <laughs> your church family in Canada and how they really were a family to you, or and probably still are. Um, yes. you know, and I, I think about you know, the, I, I often say this, and it's just true that compassion has legs, and your legs move toward those who are suffering. Period. And if your legs are not moving, you are not compassionate. Or if your heart is not moving, because I, I, I don't want to be ableist there, you know. But you, you got to show up for people, and there are so many different ways you can show up. You know, one thing that. Um, I was just so rocked by not only the white supremacist mass shooting at Tops in, in Buffalo, but then Uvalde, you know, it, it was just like, oh my goodness. I just felt in some ways like I couldn't catch my breath. I felt very much disoriented. Um, and, you know, m- myself and Christina were like, okay, let's just do an IG live prayer. 
let's just do a, a prayer. There were some, we were supposed to do interviews and stuff. We canceled it. We were like, we need to pray. Like this is on top of the the political recalcitrance, right? Um, and in action, there is a spiritual, you know, uh, um, warfare that is happening here. And so, so we prayed and we did pray and we did that. But there is a sense in which you feel like, what else? Like, what else do we need to do? What should we do? Um, it, it, I mean, it feels like m- giving money is not enough. Is there something else that we can do to, to also, uh, to affect policy? Um, I mean, we can march, we can give money, but is that enough? It just feels so, I don't know. It just feels like a drop in the ocean, you know, if you will, from my vantage point, but maybe I'm being pessimistic. And so I would love to hear from you on what we can do, you know, um, for those of us that do actually pray, you know, that don't just say it, but for those of us that do actually pray, is there something else that we can do to affect policy, but then to also help families, you know, survivors? Uh, what does that look like? And 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 I know there's not like a, a cookie cutter answer. I know we want a microwave option all the time. You know, this is America. But, but please feel free to put as much nuance and push back sure. if you need to, please, Nelba. But can, yeah, is there anything we can do for praying folks beyond prayer and uh, donation? Or maybe is donation the right thing? Please, uh, I'd love to hear what you think. Sure. So it depends on who I'm speaking to. Okay. If I'm speaking to the women at the table, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say ask for more, right? Okay. Ask for more. Mm. We are funding non um, black women led organizations to the tune of millions. Ask okay. the question as to why and, and advocate for you, for your community, continue okay. um, to, to ask for more. Uh, if I'm, talking to people in standing room That's like me right. who is a who I am a guest today but mm-hmm. I'm in the standing room mm-hmm. it's we need to look in the mirror we need to say why have we allowed for an inequitable system in our support and resources for grieving families? Okay. Why does our prayer not encompass action? Right. Why have we I mean churches have statements churches have statements on we love statements. Uh, <laughs> we, during, you know, there was a time where churches had statements on HIV AIDS. We we have, yeah. we, we, we love statements right now on, um, on um, uh, sex trafficking, right? Like that was like a big thing. Right. Why has the church, I'm speaking to the standing room, standing room folks. Yeah. Yeah. Why have our churches not made statements on gun violence? Right. I think I know. Right. I think you know, but I want us to ask that question. I Mm. also want Latino churches, Mm. right? Mm. We need to ask ourselves because I see us. I'm a very light skinned Puerto Mm -hmm. Rican Mm -hmm. woman. That means something. I can, if I chose to use my privilege to hurt, right? I am seeing right now a ton of folks from my community use their privilege to be hurtful. And mm-hmm. I want us to more carefully examine our relationship with God, yes. our relationship with each other, our relationship with other communities mm-hmm. to ask and to know that there is no proximity to whiteness that is ever going to keep us safe. Ever. So if we are not using our position to help liberate and free and speak out against injustice, That's right. It's going to come back. That's right. 
it's going to come back. So if this is not the gospel that we're preaching, you talked about the gospel Mm -hmm. of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I guess I've sat so much, you know, an interesting part about us is after, um, let me be real. After Newtown, we got a special kind of pass. My husband's black. I'm Puerto Rican. (laughs) We got a special kind of pass because we lost Mm -hmm. Anna in Newtown and people loved and cared and prayed for us because we lost Anna, but they didn't necessarily see the nuances and who we were and how we defined ourselves. I'll never forget my husband who does not (laughs) speak out as often as I do, but make no mistake, (laughs) make no mistake. He feels incredibly deeply. He wrote something before um, the inevitable election of, uh, of, of, the former president, yeah. I can't even I say his name. And someone said, someone's a former occupant of the White House. And he's, and someone said to him, You're not going to be hurt by anything. You're not like those people. Oh, so yeah. Oh, yeah. we were given oh, a yeah. special kind of pass, right. and that was from a church person. Mm-hmm. So I felt incredibly unsafe, and that's when I decided to leave white evangelical church spaces, mm-hmm. unless I was going to teach or work. Yes, but I yes. knew that it was no longer a place I could close my eyes to worship, because even the worship I was listening to, all of a sudden, I saw those folks in pictures up in the White House. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's traumatizing. So, it's traumatizing. The trauma of being in, and that's why I so appreciate voices like Esau McCauley and uh, Dante Wright mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so many of the people I'm learning from right. because I recognize I'm not alone, right? Yes. I don't have the same experience as those of men. Of course. But I'm not alone and there's something to be learned. So yes. my my advice on what to do depends yes. on where we're sitting. Yes, ma'am. Um, yes. Our proximity to power, right. our proximity okay. to you know, resources. And I would remind people, one of the reasons we scream resilience at the most vulnerable people, right, is because we don't want a resource, right? And screaming resilience is easier than actually providing the adequate resources required to thrive. That's right. So I rebuke Mm -hmm. anybody who's asking me in this moment to write or speak about a tragedy to triumph narrative, it is a, there's a reason I'm on your podcast today. Right. You talk about me being a national speaker. And what I said in this moment was, I want to work with journalists and women of color who are doing the work that's undervalued. Mm-hmm. I want to do mm-hmm. interviews where I am paired mm-hmm. with survivors that's right. who have not ever been interviewed. And mm-hmm. those are typically Black and Latina women. Yeah. So here I am now asking, you want to interview me? Fantastic. I need you to also bring, I need to bring my friend. Um, and I folks like are that. responding. And that's why I responded to so uh, Christina right away. So yeah. thank you for having thank me here you. again. But I still recognize yeah. I'm in the standing. <laughs> and that goes hand in hand. Well, and I, I don't say that lightly. No. I say that mostly as a model to other people who may look at what you do and say, why are they doing that? Right. Maybe who look like me. Yeah. Well, there's a freaking reason that we need to listen. There's a reason. That's for that. And y'all keep proving it time and again. <laughs> why is and we're going to get it wrong. And we That's are right. going to get it wrong. And That's hopefully, right. hopefully, and I ask for a lot of grace here because Lord knows I have gotten it wrong a lot, that we can develop 
a cycle of rupture and or repair and learning that doesn't then silo us in our corners when we get it wrong and get embarrassed, right? But that pushes us to work closer to getting it right the next time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We we are all, um, you know, especially as believers, we are in process. <laughs> we are in process and we are going to mess up. And because we're in process, process gets real messy. It is very messy and real ugly, you know? And so there's times that we'll get it right. And there's times that we're going to get it wrong. Um, here at Truth Table, we will repent where we're wrong. <laughs> we get it wrong sometimes. That's that's the reality. Christians should be re- repenters, serial repenters at that. Um, and we should not be afraid to confess and to repent and to re- make repair when necessary so that people's resilience is not required of them, right? So that we can just support, so that we can resource, so that uh, we can platform, you know, and do what's what's needed. Because anyway, so you know this. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know. I'm just listening. I'm going, yes, you know yes. I, I, I I'm preaching to the choir here on that. Um, you know, I, I just, yeah, you just said so much there and I'm so grateful. I'm wondering, um, I wanted to pick up on something you said and then, and then I will move to the next question. I guess this is a question, but what are there some, um, uh, well, people say BIPOC. People have different feelings about that term, but okay. Are there black indigenous, let me say, <laughs> um, uh, 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 Latinx or Latine um, organizations that people can partner with, support, resource? Are there any um, that come that are top of mind? Because I would imagine some people just don't know, like, oh, these organizations exist. I didn't even know. Are there some that you that come to the top of your mind that you can share with our listeners that might that they can um, support? I only know the ones in my community. Okay. I actually just I actually a few weeks ago, right after Buffalo, reached out to um, Sherilyn Eiffel and said, "Do we have any national yeah. black led, yes. um, Latinx led yes. uh, gun violence prevention orgs doing the work?" Yeah, and we could not name one. So oh. what I have done from yeah. the beginning was um, learned who my local ones are. So okay. in Connecticut, I am familiar with Hartford Communities at Care. I am okay. familiar with Mothers United Against Violence. Yes. Those are two organizations. There's Compass Youth Collaborative, okay. right? But every but what happens is those organizations who are hyper-local and doing the work and have been doing the work, some for 30 years, get ignored for the larger groups. And I am not suggesting those larger groups aren't doing great work. Yes. But we do have to ask ourselves why Sandy Hook and how Sandy Hook platformed and elevated groups to such a level that it left local groups doing the work for 30 years without, yeah, yeah by the way, so. without that mm-hmm. kind of a funding, That's right. without that kind of, and, and, and when you talked about compassion earlier, compassion, mm-hmm. moving hearts, I said, when I was in a recent interview with Gail King, empathy drives resources. Come on. Right. So if we are not mourning the loss of kids who die on street corners mm. because they died on street corners, therefore mm-hmm. they were in the wrong place at the wrong time and we That's don't right. care as much, That's right. then something is wrong with us, especially as a community of faith, because yes. we are supposed to be the ones who are modeling the yeah, love, absolutely. compassion, and care of Jesus. And I don't remember an example of, in the Bible of Jesus going, 
I know that person's grieving, but I don't like their grief as much as that other person over there. Mm-hmm. That one is shinier. Mm-hmm. That one looks cleaner. Look at her. That one looks like me. That one looks like me. I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. So one of the places I feel like we really lack and can move in church spaces is in creating a toolkit, whether that be a spiritual toolkit, physical toolkit, I do not care. Okay. But in driving people to ask the questions in a reflective way on why it is we have dragged our response to gun violence in the church when yes. 110 to 120 yes. people a day hmm. are dying. Oh my God. Answer me that. that. Yes. Oh my goodness. Woo. That is so heavy. And that is, that is the question, you know, that church folk got to sit with, have got to sit with, particularly those in the standing room section, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, Nelba, you, you've been through so much and you, um, have, um, you have just poured out so much here at the table. I'm wondering about how you're doing in light of these recent shootings and, and how is it that you care for yourself? You know, as I, I was telling you about how I was reeling between, you know, um, the weeks between tops and then Uvalde. And I, I, I always wonder, I can't imagine how, you know, how Nelba and so many others, you know, and, and su- survivors, even your, your son, how are you all doing? How, uh, how do you, how, how do you cope? You know, how do you, um, continue to live, you know, um, in in the midst of these recent these shootings, you know, that continue to happen, that keep on happening. And how do you care for yourself? There are moments, mm-hmm. many, mm-hmm. that are heavy. Um, I mentioned to you that just this morning, my spirit felt different, That's right. and I had to. Google and say, what's going on today? Because I can Mm -hmm. feel it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it is the anniversary of Mother Emmanuel. Yes. Um, And also, I recognize the growth I have allowed my body and my spirit to feel since I started a new form of therapy that was not looking to medicate Mm -hmm. or pathologize my grief but work in a in a in a format that was connecting me to my body mm. the pain but also the strength also the resolve also the truth mm. i allowed myself in this re- in this reflective reflective process with dr anita what i discovered was I allowed myself to be in a position where I let my voice be made small. Mm. And that was in many ways as violent as losing my child. Mm. Because then I didn't just lose her. I lost my voice. So I did Mm. a lot of things and was a part of a lot of things that wasn't resonant to my spirit, but seemed like the publicly palatable thing. And I had to do a deep dive Mm. into how I'd gotten there in many ways. And with this push from Dr. Anita to say, okay, we're going to do all that, but we're also going to figure out what you want, who you are, what your voice is saying. Um, Just yesterday we met and she was saying, um, there's this three-part process, owning your gifts, knowing your strengths, 
and finding your lane. Uh, and I feel like it has taken me 10 years yes. to find my lane, yeah. but now I'm here. So when Buffalo happened, owning my gifts, knowing my strengths, finding my lane, yeah. I knew that my strength is reaching people, communicating. Um, my, my gift is mm-hmm. compassion, reminding people to be there for families, reminding people why we need to care about all families, not just some. Yes, and yes, and yes. knowing my Bible enough to push back against any effort that I know is yeah. tied to white nationalism, right. that is just bullcrap. When Marco Rubio is on his bullcrap and he tweets scripture, I want us <laughs> as Christians to be empowered with truth and with our Bible knowledge to know how to call that out effectively, because that was also violence. The number of people, legislators I met in DC in 2014 and 2013 who use the Bible to keep truth quiet, right? And to say, I know your daughter is dead, but to imply that somehow if she had known Jesus, when my daughter gave her life to the Lord, when she was four years old, if anybody, if the the prosperity gospel was in fact true, if anybody was going to survive that shooting, it would have been Anna. We prayed with her in two languages every night. We tithed. We went to church every Sunday and Bible study. (laughs) You know, it's like, we must offer more to people than prosperity gospel Absolutely. and white nationalism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That isn't feeding anybody. That's right. And let's stop inviting people to church if we're not going to be it. Yeah. So owning your gifts, knowing your strengths, yes. staying in your lane. That is how I found my internal fortitude yeah. between Buffalo, which took me to my knees and yeah. Then Uvalde. Mm. And I was, I think I'm proud of myself. I slept mm. every night. Good. I did not faint, okay. um, which is pretty uh, common for me to literally mm. have something called vasal, vanc- vasal vagal syncope and just faint when the pressure gets too high. My, my yeah. uh, vagus nerve just trips and I, you know, wow. the blood pressure drops and I, and it did not happen. And I was grateful and in those moments that wow. gets too hard to pull out the scriptures, right? right. Um, they were all trying to frighten us. And they said, you know, our hands would be too weary for the work. And we prayed, Lord, strengthen the work of our hands, That's right. uh, you know, just establish just, the work of our hands. Mm-hmm. For and us. I feel like God is doing a new That's thing. Right. And I am lonely doing the work, what feels like by myself sometimes, because I'm not really attached to an organization, Mm -hmm. but also deeply proud of this voice I have found. I feel like it honors my daughter and our family in a different way. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Melba. Yeah, I just, even just hearing, you know, uh, the testimony that you were able to sleep through the night, you know, when, when those events, you know, have been reoccurring. Um, wow. I mean, and, and that you did not faint, that you literally did not faint. Um, thank you. Thank you for somatic liberation is real. And if you haven't listened to, um, uh, Resma Manakim and if pronouncing his name incorrectly, please forgive me. Um, his, if you haven't listened to his episode on the breakfast club, um, Mm. of him just speaking some of these concepts, I would definitely, Give it your time. I think Mm. so many of us are carrying burdens that were given 
but should not be ours to carry. And we're going to get free, not just when we do this work and do, you know, this, but we're going to get free when we release this from our bodies. And that's a lifelong process. And, and that's what I've, I, I cannot say enough. I know this is my third time bringing her up, but working with a black woman, Christian therapist, who's a specialist in trauma has changed Mm. my life. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You talk about the things that have kept me alive. Some of the learnings that have come just from all of this. um, I will also count that as something that has not just kept me alive, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. I have found joy in his teaching and his work. And and I know that what he has for me might look different than maybe other families, but you know what? When we dishonor our gifts, we also dishonor God. Yeah. Let be the different on. one. Be 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 the weird. Be right. be the one that's you know I be that, and that's what gave me the confidence. I think two three years ago, had you invited me, I would not have the confidence. I would have said that. How how would they invite? Just like when I was with um, DMC, I'm like, how am I on a stage with DMC? Right? But it was beauty because God will give you the courage and the wisdom and the humility yeah. to just show up and do your part yes. of the work. That's all He asks us yes. to do. That's yes. it. Yes, yes. And your gifts will make room for you. And y'all, DMC. If you didn't catch it, she's talking about DMC for Run DMC, y'all. Um, yes. You know, no, but this was not this was not planned. But this is just sparked from our conversation and how you you um, reached out to Cheryl and I and said, hey, is there a national, um, nationally led uh, uh, um, Black, Latina, you know, people of color organization that uh, on a national level that fights against um, and advocates and um, um, for against, you know, gun violence. Um, and I was wondering, I hope this doesn't put you on the spot too much. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, have you uh, or do you feel a sense of calling to to maybe start an, a national organization like that? Or do you feel like, eh, I don't know about all that. And so I'm curious about, because when you said that, that is striking. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't know of one. Um, but yeah, have you considered that? Is that something that you've thought about? I'm never going to put any limits or boundaries around what (laughs) God might have for me in the future. But if I'm looking at that little post-it note where I wrote down Dr. Anita's notes from our session yesterday, and I'm looking at owning my gifts, knowing my strengths and finding your lane, I'm not sure that, you know, kind of the technical aspects of leading an organization is in my wheelhouse. However, I'm not going to put limits on God. And I would certainly partner with any organization, whether that's people looking to start that or existing organizations driven by folks in the standing room section who are looking to expand the ways. And here's the truth that many, while a lot of these concepts have not been palatable, Mm -hmm. we are now in a space where people are starting to talk and work in a more real way yeah. about the impact of that. race on empathy, the impact Definitely. of white nationalism on, on, on church culture. I mean, we, we're starting to have really beautiful conversations and I'm grateful for the allies. I'm yeah. grateful yeah. for people who are in this space. I just want more and more opportunities. I'm never going to put limits on God. I also know my gifts. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) So I would need a lot of help, but I'm ready to do the work. Lord, wherever you see me, put me there. Yes. Let thy will be done in Nelba's life, Lord. Um, There you go. uh, Last, last but not least, you know, it has been a true gift and a treasure 
um, for you to not only share here at this table, but for the ways that you share um, just the the precious moments and pieces of um, of Anna's memory uh, online. Um, I was wondering if you, um, if you are willing, can you tell us about your precious daughter, Anna? You know, Anna is, is, I'm going to say is, an incredibly well-loved child. Mm -hmm. There was never a day outside December 14th, 2012, that she didn't know the full embrace of the love of God in her family. Mm. She was light wherever she went and deeply proud of who she was. I'll never forget riding in Winnipeg. I had a minivan, you know, and I loved being that mom who had all the kids, my kids and other people's Mm -hmm. kids. And I remember her proudly saying to her friends, like unprovoked, unsolicited, did you know I'm African-American, Puerto Rican, and Canadian? You know, and she knew who she was. She was, she was deeply loved. It is something I wish more children felt that acceptance, that embrace, I think we would be in a better place. And I don't think her father and I did special things, (laughs) but we loved ourselves and each other and our identities in a special way. And therefore I think our kids kind of ate that up. They were even now, when I look at my son and, and he's dealing with all the stuff, he, we, we just came back from Arthur's Vineyard. Okay. And there were a few incidents mm-hmm. um, that made the children, we had three, teen, three teenagers, all black. Okay. And they said, some of our vacation was like a whole episode of Get Out, just with interactions on Arthur's Vineyard. But yet what I saw in the kids was that this did not sink them. Mm-hmm. It did not rock them. Right. They were able to acknowledge it, witness it, left, had their cell phone cameras out when needed, as needed, as we have taught them. But I think there's something about our children feeling deeply loved. That was really the power of Anna's spirit Mm. and and her, us loving God and her loving God very well. So Mm -hmm. that's what I would want. What what would I want um, Mm. your readers to know or your listeners to Mm -hmm. know? that she was a deeply loved child. And if prosperity gospel and our own goodness was enough, if anybody would be alive, it was Anna. Anna. Mm. Wow. Just beautiful. She is still so deeply loved and she is still loving you. Um, Thank you. Because love never fails. Love does not die, you know? And so uh, thank you so much for just your outpouring, your offering to us, Nelba, um, here at the table. I just, we, I know I am honored. I know I speak for Christina when I say she's honored um, to have you here at our table. I've learned so much um, from you and um, and I'm going to be praying about those gifts that God has, you owning those gifts and seeing what the Lord has in store um, for you next, you know. Um, you know, uh, Nelba, can you talk to our um our uh, our people, our sisters at the table, our standing room section people, tell them how they can follow you, follow your work, any projects you'd like them to know about, please <laughs> feel free um, to talk to them. One thing I know about an invitation to the table 
is that you don't use that invitation for self-promotion. So I'm not going to talk about my projects in this moment, but Mm. I am going to encourage Mm. your listeners to please look for the voices of families after tragedy. So if you really want to help the families in Buffalo, go out there and find their GoFundMes, go out there and find their articles, demand that local and national reporters tell their stories, not their stories through filters of other people. And today in the spirit and in solidarity mm-hmm. with those families from Mother Emmanuel. I do have yes. a friend, Reverend Sharon Risher, who lost her mother. Yes. So you want to follow me? You can do that. But today I ask that you follow Reverend Risher right. and learn about her projects and ask her how you can support her in this moment. I I want your listeners to know Mm. that so many of us grieve for each other in ways that are very special and very unique because nobody else is doing it. Nobody else is doing it for us and they don't even know how. Wade through the uncomfortable and go out and reach directly to us, to those of us you know are hurting. And today, Reverend Sharon Risher, go reach out to her on Twitter and tell her Anna's mama sent you. Yes, and she's a former guest on Truth's Table, too. Is she? Is she? Oh, I feel like I know so many of your special people. I feel really honored. So at this point, I'm going to take myself right back to standing room and say I, I, I'm going to, you know, look forward to listening to more of your episodes. I'm so grateful you've had some of my favorite people. Um, people I know are courageous truth tellers and, and, and people of God who walk so humbly on this earth and have so many gifts to share. Thank you for including me in the number. And I'm praying for you, for this podcast, for Hmm. these people who sit with you as they look and find their own gifts in their own lanes. And they have maybe been told that it's not valued or it's being undervalued. Hmm. The devil is a total and complete liar. And this is your moment to teach us all and how to be better for you. And thank you for that. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Nelba. Before you go, I know you have a hard stop, but I would love to just briefly pray um, for you, if you don't mind. Father God, our compassionate God, our liberating God, I thank you for my sister Nelba. Thank you, oh God. That you, for the ways that you are shaping her, forming her, helping her own her voice, oh Lord God, showing her her lane. God, I just pray that though this expertise was hard wrought, oh God, and that though her precious daughter, Anna, is not here with us on this side, I thank you that she is resting in the bosom of Jesus. And I thank you that even now, Anna is loved and loving her mother loving her father, loving her brother, Isaiah. God, I pray that you will lift up your countenance upon them and grant them peace, give them comfort, give them the resources, the provision that they need, O oh Lord. I pray that you would open up doors for Nelba, for the, for the ministry, the calling that you've given her. Show her her next steps, O oh God. Guide her footsteps, order her footsteps in the Lord. And I pray for comfort, Oh God, for the survivors of the top shooting, for survivors of Sandy Hook, oh God, for the survivors of Uvalde, Lord, for the survivors of all of these mass shootings, oh Lord God, and the gun violence within our communities, oh God. 
I am praying that your spirit would comfort. The spirit is the holy comforter. We are praying for creative, holy imaginations, oh God, for interventions, oh Lord, in this land. We are praying that you will remove stony hearts of flesh in the politicians, oh God, and give them hearts of, of flesh that would actually begin to do policies that would begin to prevent the um, rampant gun violence in our land, oh God. Yes. I pray for a mighty move of God to happen. We know nothing is too hard for you and your arms are not too short, oh God. So we pray that you, oh Lord God, would just do something that has never been done in this land before, Lord. We're looking to you with a spirit of expectation, oh God. And I thank you, oh Lord God, for Nelba. And I thank you that she is here using her voice, speaking out, oh God. And I'm excited about the ways that you will continue to use her to bring your plans and your purposes regarding gun violence to pass in this land, Lord. I pray this all in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. 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 No one has ever prayed for me before, like <sighs> on a podcast. So I just, I just feel so strongly that God has something so special for Truth's Table. Mm. Thank you for showing up and doing the work. Of thank course. you so much. Of course. Thank you, Nelba. And of course, we want to thank our listeners for sitting at the table with us. Please, let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode using the hashtag Truth's Table. Black women, did you know Truth Table has a Black Women's Discipleship Group on Facebook? Well, we do. So make sure to follow Truth Table on Facebook and join our Facebook group today. Invite your homegirls too. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash Truth Table. Truth Table is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. Our video producer is Dale Bradford. And we have been your hosts, Akemi and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.